Hey everyone, welcome to episode 105 and 106. Tonight we're talking about being born again and again and again. So the real question is this, what does it take to make the gospel come to life? If you are struggling with what you believe, or if you do believe but you want to feel the truth on a deeper level, or even if you are experienced in your faith and you want to deepen your relationship with Christ even further, what steps can all of us take to not just bring the gospel to life, but to cause the gospel to bring life into us? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Brian Robbins, and welcome to Bringing the Gospel to Life. Alrighty, so I know I did not publish anything yesterday, and that is because, well, two reasons. Reason number one, all I did was write a paper yesterday, so I didn't really feel like I had much to say, and I didn't want to bore everyone. And number two, I knew today was going to be an awesome day, so... I figured we can combine it into two. So I'll share two thoughts with you today, if that's okay. Um, and the reason I knew that today was going to be awesome is because um, on our syllabus for one of our classes today, we knew I knew that we were going to be talking about Christ-centered learning the entire lesson. So I knew I'd have something to say and really have some thoughts after that lesson today, and it's true. So I'm going to start first just by sharing a lesson that's not really connected to that, and then I'll go a little bit deeper into that. But So first things, um, one of the professors for one of our um, lessons is uh, Brent L. Top. He's one of the religion professors at BYU. If you haven't read any of his books, go check him out. Um, but today we were discussing um, Christ's atonement and the reasons why he needed to go through the atonement and all the aspects that he went through with it. And he shared a story that I thought was kind of cool. Um, as we transition from uh, the fall and how Christ needed to experience the atonement, then you kind of have to transition into the conversation of, okay, well, now that he's paid for our debt and he has become our creditor. So he's, he's solved the debt for our sins. And now, um, he can ask us to do what he wants because, um, he assumed our loan and now we need to pay it off through him. And so now he can change the terms, right? And so the terms that he sets for us as members of the church is what we promise in our covenant. So in order for us to still receive that blessing of eternal life, he um, asks us to do the things that we covenant to do in our covenants. And um, in doing so, Brother Top shared an experience that was kind of a typical experience, but his response really kind of struck me and rang true, and I haven't really found a good way to say this, and his words matched how I wanted to say this, and he said it so well. So he was in a conversation with a member of a different religion. I believe they were a Protestant Christian of some sort. And as you've probably heard before, like at some point in the conversation between a member of our church and their church, usually the question arises where they will ask us, and they'll say, have you been born again? And that's a term that they use. And um, so they asked him, have you been born again? And for them, you know, kind of in our vernacular, that would mean like, have you been baptized or have you accepted him as our savior? We would say, yeah, for them, depending on on the Protestant Christian denomination you go look into, I think they have different, a little bit different conversations for what that means. But basically the Bible teaches us that as we accept Christ as our savior, then we are freed from our sins and we can live with him again. So they're just kind of asking, like, at what point have you accepted him to be your savior? And usually along with that comes this powerful spiritual moment of feeling a forgiveness of your sins. 
So they asked him and they asked Brother Top and they said, have you, been forg- have, you, uh, have you been born again? And he said, yes. And then they asked him, when? When were you born again? Now, it is common for us to think of religious experiences. Like we try to think of the big ones that we've had as kind of the big mar- milestones along our spiritual journey. But it's interesting how the prophets and apostles over the years, and I'm particularly thinking about Elder Bednar's um, he talks about revelation and he talks about how receiving revelation is not really like a light bulb going on in a room, but more like the sun coming up on a cloudy day. Like just as your light increases, you never really notice when the sun's there, but at some point you know that it's there. And so a lot of us, obviously baptism and other ordinances are huge milestones for us, but we would also say that our conversion to Christ is a slow, well, not always slow, but it's a journey that continually um, rises in a crescendo over time, right? But I loved, I loved his answer. So they ask him, when were you born again? And they're looking for a very specific date because in the denomination that he was speaking with, like they kind of have a one and done. Like you have a moment where you really accept Christ as your savior and then the rest of your life's dedicated to him. So when they said, hey, when were you born again? He said, I started throwing out random dates to them. He said it was on May 5th, 1995, but it was also on June 1st, 2020, or uh, June 1st, 2000. And it was also on October 7th. And he started just throwing out a bunch of random dates. And he said the guy looked at him kind of confused and he responded by saying this. And he says, look, I know you guys believe that you were born again, but I believe that we, were, we are born again and again and again and again and again. And what I mean by that is that I consistently believe that I consistently am experiencing him and his spirit. And every single time that that spirit touches me, cleanses me, and reawakens my desire to follow Christ more, I believe that I'm born again every single time I have that experience. And I thought that was such a beautiful way to say that, um, that just like And I know I make this comparison often, but it's because Christ makes this comparison often. Like his relationship with us is like um, a a marriage. And having been married now for um, three-ish years, like you just have moments where you consistently, you know, I mean, assuming the marriage is going in a decent direction, at least for my marriage, I should say it this way. In my marriage, like... (laughs) I've had moments consistently where, you know, you have days where marriage is hard, but you have days also consistently again and again and again where you're reaffirmed that you're so grateful that you made that decision, right? And so I think with Christ, it's the exact same way. And I just really like that. I loved that he turned being born again, not into like this crazy moment, but as a relational relationship moment with our Savior. And I thought that was beautiful. So there's my thought number one. Um, so I hope that was helpful. Like, and something for you to think about, like, are you consistently born again and again and again? And how many times has that happened for you? I thought that was cool. I really like that. So there's that. And then there's thought number two. And this, oh, this one is so cool. This one really got me. So, uh, we were taught today by this man. His name is Jason Willard. He's one of the assistant administrators for seminaries and institutes. And he's just He's so good at Christ-centered teaching and looking, having those eyes to see and looking for how the scriptures are always setting us up to learn about the Savior. 
And he pointed one out today that I've never caught, and it was so powerful, and I just want to share it with the rest of you. He says, if you look at the Book of Mormon, it teaches us an attribute of Christ that we don't tend to learn about that much in the Book of Mormon, but we learn about in the New Testament, but not in the Book of Mormon. He said, I want you to consider this. Who is the first author of the Book of Mormon? We all kind of sat there like thinking it was a trick question because it was like so obvious, and we're like, uh, Nephi? And he's like, yeah, it's Nephi. And he's like... Here's a question for you to consider. When Nephi writes his book, who does he reference the most in his writings? And we pondered and sat there for a second. My first thought was Isaiah, because I know he like quotes Isaiah a lot. And so I was like, Isaiah? And he's like, nope. And we're, you know, the obvious answer is Christ. And he's like, nope. He's like, think about it. We have a story of a young man who consistently refers back to his father. And if you go through and you read about Nephi, you hear him say all the time, and I, Nephi, and my father said, and my father said, and I went to do what my father said, and I was obedient to my father. And he consistent, and my father had a dream, and I wanted to desire the same thing that my father desired. And like, he over and over and over again without stopping, and I never noticed this till he said that, he talks so much about his father, and he points back to his father, the prophet, and he always does what his father asks him to do, and he prays to receive confirmation for what his father said, and he goes on a mission for his father. Like, he is so constantly and consistently referring to his father, and he's like, okay, so put a pause on that. Now, who's the last author of the Book of Mormon? And we said Moroni, and he's like, good, now think about it. Who does Moroni reference the most in his writings? And the answer was so obvious at that point. We said, his father. And Brother Willard's like, yeah, think about it. Actually, most of Moroni's writings are just Moroni quoting Mormon. And he goes back all the time and says, this is the teaching of my father. And this is an epistle of my father. And my father commanded me to do this. And my father this. And my father that. And my father this. And my father that. And he's like, now who else do we know? who without ceasing refers back to his father. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) I'd never even noticed that, but how cool is it that we have Nephi and Moroni who consistently are um, an example and a shadow of how much Christ references his father and always points back to his father and always says he's there to do the will of the father. And that... um, That was cool because I've read Nephi and Moroni before and I've thought to myself like, man, Nephi, you need to get some original words. Like <laughs> you need to like stop talking about your dad and let's let's have you share some of the things you want to say. And he starts to do that later on in Second Nephi. But um, I'd never considered that maybe that attitude and behavior was him giving us a teaching of what Christ did for his father and something that I think. And then I learned internally by myself like, I should reference the Father more often. Like, I should thank Him more often in my prayers. Or I should, as I go throughout my daily life, I should notice how He's putting, making things right in my life. Or I should notice, or I should tell other people about what my Father has said. Or I should, um, I should be more grateful for my Father. I should quote my Father more often. Like, it was such a powerful witness and... 
I even got to thinking like just about my own dad like so much of what I do is just because I've seen my father do that and I think how I lead my life is really guided by what I've watched him do honestly and he'll probably listen to that and he'll call it cheesy and my mom will probably tell it to him you know but like it's true and I think it's interesting that our Savior does that, and I think it's interesting that Nephi and Moroni do that, because we live in a world with some pretty crazy dads, and we live in a world where with some pretty amazing dads, but with kids who don't want to listen to those fathers, and that's a really sensitive, emotionally loaded subject, but it's cool to see Nephi, Moroni, and Christ give us that example for both the fathers and for the children. And I'm grateful for that. And like, it really moved me. And I thought that would be cool to share with you guys. So I hope those two thoughts are helpful. Things for you to think about. Are you born again? Have you only been born once? Or are you born again and again and again and again? And number two, how often do you give credit to your father or talk about your father or notice your father in your daily life? And that was powerful for me. So I hope it will help for you. Let me know what your thoughts are as always. And let me know if this helps you share it with someone who needs it. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow.